Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. This series called Above All. So I want you to get, go in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 11. Last week I started this brand new mini series within a series. We've been in this series called Above All, and every week we're talking about a different miracle that Jesus did. But what we did last week is we're actually going to take one miracle and we're breaking it down into three different weeks because it is so loaded with so much information. I felt like we had to do it justice. So we're in John chapter 11, and the miracle is when Jesus resurrects Lazarus. So we're going to start off on verse number eight of John chapter 11, and it reads as follows. But Jesus' disciples objected, saying, Teacher, only a few days ago, the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. As long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there danger of stumbling because there is no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I go to wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, that means he's going to get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus has died. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come on, let's go and see him. Last verse. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and let's die with Jesus. I want to talk to you on this thought. Run to the roar. Run to the roar. Let's take a moment and let's pray in this place. Father, we thank you for this moment that we have together. We're so grateful for the opportunity to gather once again. Father, in this place and, and, in, and in everyone's homes that is watching online, I just pray that you would speak to us. Father, we remove all distractions and, and we just unify our spirits and our hearts right now to listen into what your spirit is getting ready to say. We are hungry for you. We are thirsty for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Clap your hands all over this place one last time. Run to the roar. Now, now I love good sports movies. How many of you love sports movies? Come on, put the hand up in the air. If you love a good sports movie, come on. All right. For those of you that are watching online, do you love a good sports movie? I think that the greatest sports franchise of all time when it comes to sports movies it's got to be Rocky, okay? There's no debate. If you're debating me, it's not up for debate, okay? But I love Rocky. Um, they've got eight movies in the Rocky series, okay? Um, but, but I love me the Rocky movie because it was just such an amazing story. You know, it's just two guys putting on the gloves, getting into a ring, and everything about the Rocky story, it gets me hyped. I don't know about you, but it just gets me so hyped. Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4. Come on, who's old enough to remember? 
remember who Rocky fought in Rocky IV? Ivan Drago. Do you guys remember that? He fought the big Russian. And uh, I'll tell you, that movie single-handedly ended the Cold War right there. I mean, that speech that Rocky did at the end, I mean, the war with Russia, it was over after Rocky IV. Now, true Rocky fans do not claim five and six. That was just terrible. Thank you, Salah. Uh, the only other person in this room old enough to know what I'm talking about. We ain't claiming five and six. But then they did the Rocky reboots. Do you guys remember? Now I'm in your era, okay, 2015, when we started the Creed movies. How many of you watched the Creed movie with Michael B. Jordan? Come on, before there was the Black Panther, there was Creed. And uh, Michael B. Jordan played the son of Apollo Creed. So we reached all the way back to Rocky One. You see, that's why it's such a great franchise, because they did a spinoff and they get the son of the first villain and Adonis Creed now, he comes onto the scene, he becomes the champion and then they bring Creed 2 where they merge Creed 2 with Rocky 4. I mean, the best Rocky movie there was had a baby, you know what I mean? And so Creed 2 happens and it's incredible. And I love that movie because Michael B. Jordan, who's Adonis Creed in this movie, um, some of y'all wondering, is this a sermon or is this a movie commentary? Trust me, we're going somewhere with this. Um, and I am the pastor of the church, and this is as good as it gets, okay? Uh, um, but what I love about that movie is um, in, in that in Creed 2, Adonis fights Victor Drago, the son of Ivan Drago, and Ivan Drago tragically killed Adonis's dad, Apollo Creed, and so everyone's telling him, don't fight this guy. There's no way you're going to win, and he got whooped. He got whooped bad. I mean, he took that L. He almost died in a hospital, but then he had a rematch clause, so he went to fight him again, and in 2018, Creed II came out, and everyone's saying, don't go into the ring. Don't go into the ring. You are going to die if you go back into the ring. Now, I say all of that because that's the same thing that Jesus' disciples told him when he said, I'm going to go back to Judea because Lazarus is sick. And his disciples said, you can't go back there because they'll kill you if you ever go back there again. So let me set this up for you. A lot of you know the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. But before you get to John chapter 11, you got to go to John chapter 12, chapter, chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, Jesus almost got killed. Yeah, long before there was a cross, there was Judea. And in Solomon's temple, to be exact, um, the Jewish leaders were pressing him. They're like, are you really the Messiah? And Jesus is saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus is like, I am the Messiah. And they had a problem with this. They had a problem with Jesus saying, I am the Messiah. And if you read John chapter 10, the Bible says that the leaders grabbed stones and then they threatened him one more time. They're saying, do you really claim to be the Messiah? Jesus is standing in the temple in Judea and makes the proclamation, I am the Messiah. And if you read the end of chapter 10, the Bible says that he, he suddenly got away, but they tried to kill Jesus in John chapter 10. And so when you get to John chapter 11, you've got some building. You've got to understand the significance. It wasn't just that Lazarus was sick and it wasn't just that they needed Jesus to come back but they needed to get Jesus to come back and put his life at risk once again in order to come and raise Lazarus from the dead. So I've got one point that I'm gonna really drive home tonight and it is simply this. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost 
to following Jesus. Last week, I talked to you about divine delays, and I talked about the divine delays in your life are meant to develop you. If you didn't watch last week's message, I encourage you to go back. I'm laying a foundation for where we are today. But in our message, Divine Delays, we talked about how you've got to be developed in those delays. And that time is not linear, it is cyclical. And you only advance when you graduate or, or you are able to grow from that experience. Now, why does God make sure that you are developed? Because he knows that eventually he's going to put you into a tough situation that if you're not ready for it, it can break you. God's going to put you in a situation that if you've not allowed yourself to develop, it's going to be too much for you. But there is a cost to following Jesus. And in the American church, we overemphasize the blessings of God and we understate the cost. It's what we do in the American church. I mean, it's nothing but name it and claim it. And if you're faithful to God, he's going to give you a beamer. And if you're good and faithful with your tithe, he's going to give you a big old house. We say all of those things in the American church. But if you read this book right here, it actually don't say that. It actually talks about there's a cost in order to follow Jesus. It says things like you must be partakers with him in the fellowship of his sufferings in order to experience the power of his resurrection. We, we talk about the power of the resurrection, but no one talks about the sufferings, right? No one talks about the sufferings. Everyone wants to tell you that it's just going to be Skittles and unicorns and rainbows, right? It's just going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. The minute you give your life to God, all your problems are going to go away. But that couldn't be further from the truth. There is a cost to following Jesus. And so when the, the messengers of Mary and Martha ran to Jesus to tell him that Lazarus was sick, as we read and as we studied last Sunday, Jesus didn't move for 48 hours. And notice you didn't see the disciples complaining. See, they didn't want to go back to Judea. The disciples knew that they would be killed just by association. So when the messengers come to tell Jesus that you've got to get back to Judea because Lazarus needs to be healed, Jesus doesn't move anywhere for 48 hours. And they're like, cool, we ain't going. <laughs> they thought Jesus was going to do one of those remote things, right? You know, like one of the Amazon miracles. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, we're not really going to go. Jesus is going to speak the word and it's just going to magically heal Lazarus. And besides, Jesus already said that Lazarus isn't going to die. So we know everything's going to be okay. But then 48 hours later, we talked about this last week, 48 hours later, Jesus gets up and he says, let's go to Judea. And now is when they start speaking up and they say, well, hold, 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 hold up, Jesus. Um, why are we going back? Because the last time we were there, they tried to kill you. And what you've got to understand, and the reason why development is so important is you even see development in Jesus's life. Because when Jesus was almost stoned in Judea, he was nearing the end of his earthly ministry. When he began his ministry, watch this now, he was in Galilee performing miracles. He was in Nain performing miracles. He was in Tyre. He was in Sidon. And they never tried to kill him there. It wasn't until Jesus got to Judea, okay? That, that is now the hub of the Jewish faith. It wasn't until Jesus got to Solomon's temple that all of a sudden they said, hey, hold on a second. It was one thing for you to be healing people out in Galilee. It was one thing for you to be doing miracles in Nazareth, but you don't get to come into Judea and do miracles. 
Let me just explain it to you this way. Doing what God called you to do in some places will be tolerated, but in other places they'll kill you for it. Sometimes doing God's will, people will put up with you and other times they will kill you for it. And I'm not saying a literal death, but sometimes the cost of following Christ might end your career or what you thought to be your career. Sometimes the cost of following Christ is going to cause you a relationship. Sometimes the cost of following Christ is going to kill off an opportunity in your life. You need to know that there is a certain death that awaits a Jesus follower. May not be a literal death, but there is a cost to following him. And the disciples, when faced with that cost, they said, do we really got to go? Can we just hang out here and you do the remote miracle? And this is what Jesus tells them next. He tells them there are only 12 hours of daylight every day. And as long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there danger of stumbling because there is no light. This is what Jesus was saying. Let me break it down because that sounds kind of crazy. Like, what is he doing talking about light and darkness? You got to understand when what we talked about last week is God created time so so time is a tool for God. Time is not bound by God. Uh, God is not bound by time because he created time and creation is not greater than the creator. In the same way, light and darkness was also created by God. And because light and darkness was created by God, it is subject to God as well. And what he's beginning to tell them is this. We got to go to Judea because it's dark there and I've put my light on the inside of you. Did you catch that? He's telling them, I've put my light on the inside of you. And because I've put my light on the inside of you, I need you to go to a place that is dark. I know a lot of us would rather have Christ put his light on the inside of us so we can shine in church. But consider the church a well-lit building. You're amongst a lot of other people filled with light. But your light has its greatest impact when it goes out into the dark corners of this world where there is no light and you can affect real change. And this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. It's dark in Judea. And as long as we stay where we are and don't go to the dark places, we'll never be able to bring about the change that I want to bring. Jesus had this plan to get there. The plan for Jesus is ultimately get to Jerusalem where they would eventually kill him and hang him on a cross. And the more he went back to Jerusalem, the greater they wanted to harm him. So there's this climax to his ministry and he's trying to tell his disciples, you've got to go with me now. You see, it's one thing for Jesus to tell them, hey, Peter, you're on your boat. Push out a little into the deep and let down your nets. You're going to catch a whole bunch of fish. That was one thing. It was one thing for Jesus to step onto the coast of Tyre and the Sidon and to cast out a demon from a demon-possessed child. But it's another thing for Jesus to look at his disciples and say, we're going to Judea. And they're like, but I don't want to die. <laughs> but that's what was going on. He's saying, we got to go. And they did not want to go. But listen to me. All of you that are in the room, God does not supercharge you, if you will, with the power of his Holy Spirit for you to not do anything with it. We've not been so filled with the power of God just to run in Christian circles from service to service, from experience to experience, and not affect change. He needs you lighting up the dark places of your family. He needs you lighting up the dark places where you work. He needs you lighting up the dark places where you go to school. Jesus did not save you for a Christian life of comfort, but he saves you to break the strongholds over your city, to break the strongholds over your family, to break the 
strongholds over your community. He fills you with the power of the Spirit so that you can go into those dark places. So yes, I want to tell you right now, he's calling you to do the hard things. He's calling you to run towards the roaring lion. He's calling you to run to Judea where people don't like him. He's calling you to run to the hard places. And we've got to go with the grace, but also with the anointing and the authority of knowing that the God who is above all is on the inside of us. And if he's on the inside of us, we know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we can go in confidence. We can go in boldness. We can go authority because we know that we are going in his name. Can we clap for a little bit in this place? And thank God for that. And, and, and so Jesus gives them this speech, right? He, he, he's, he's pumping them up. And, uh, and, and again, I have to go back to a sports movie. You see, because one of the cruel and unusual punishing things that I've done to my kids during this quarantine is I made them watch some of my movies, okay? Yeah, yeah, I made them watch some of my movies. I'm like, sit down, son, you're going to learn about the land before time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to learn about Atreyu, son. You need to know about him. He's right up there with Peter, okay? And, um, you know, but, but the, the real fun one was when I, I made my Jude watch the Mighty Ducks with me. Yeah. Oh, come on. We're all my Mighty Duck fans in the room. Yeah, you don't know nothing about that Triple D. Come on now. You don't know nothing about that Flying V. Come on now. That movie single-handedly made me go out and get a pair of rollerblades and play hockey outside. And my cousin is in the room. She was, she witnessed some of that as she used to babysit me. And, and so that movie so inspired me, but I, but I loved when the coach in the movie, right, it's halftime of the championship game and he pumps them all up. I love that about sports movies. Well, that's exactly what Jesus does to his disciples in this moment. They're like, we're scared. And he starts saying, light doesn't hang around with other light. I'm paraphrasing, but we've got to go into the dark places. And I put my light in you to go shine into the places where it is darkest. And then the disciples asked him, but what about Lazarus? Are we really going to go into that place? And Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, but this is just another chance for you to believe in me. And this is how he drops the mic. He says, come on, let's go see Lazarus. And I I love the way that Thomas responds. Thomas is like, yeah, let's go and die with Jesus. <laughs> That's what he says. We just read that a minute ago. Thomas says, come on, let's go and we're going to die with him. He was so pumped up with what God was telling him. But what Jesus first had to get Thomas to see was the need he says it's dark in Judea. There are people there that are broken and people are, there are people there that are hurting. And that's when he said, well, what about Lazarus? He's like, he's dead, but we're going to take care of him too. And so they were so pumped up. But what he had to get them to do was buy into the need. And the reason some of you are, are afraid of doing uncomfortable things is you've not yet seen the need. It's hard to see the need when all you do is run in Christian circles. It's hard to see the need when you turn a blind eye to the homeless person on the street. It's hard to see the need when you're not trying to see the need. It's hard to see the need when you act like it doesn't exist. But Jesus told them about the need. And after he told them about the need, he said, let's go. And that's when Thomas said that epic line of all time. Come on, guys, let's go and die with Jesus. He was ready to go. And I'm coming to a close now. And I love... Um, I love this part of the story because, you know, Thomas, we don't really actually talk much about what Thomas said here. As a matter of fact, we have a very affectionate nickname for the Apostle Thomas. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. 
that, can I, can I just be real and use some language? That kind of sucks, y'all, okay? <laughs> because if you think about it, like we call, we call Thomas, Doubting Thomas. Imagine you're one of Jesus' followers and that's the nickname they give you. Oh, there, there goes Doubting Salah. There goes Doubting Stephen. There goes Doubting Alex. But in this moment, when everyone else was afraid, Thomas was the one that was supercharged. Thomas was the one like Gladiator. There's another great movie. And he's like, if I have to die, I'm going to die. Thomas was the one who was on fire. But we don't even remember that about Thomas. We, we forget that it was Thomas that was pumped up, on fire, ready to charge hell with nothing more than a water pistol. That was the Thomas. He was ready to go. But he was ready to go because he saw a need. And finally, when Jesus pepped them up and got them ready to go, he said, it's time to go to Lazarus. It's time to go to Judea. It's time to do this thing. And, and, and here's what I'm trying to get for you tonight. I'm trying for you to see that there is need all around you in your world. You could turn a blind eye to it or you can run towards it. There's hurting all around you. You could either pretend like it's not there or you can run to it. Thomas ran to the roar Thomas said, I'm running to that place. I, I'm, I'm running to that thing. And, and, I, and I'm here to, 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 to put some boldness on the inside of someone in this room where you've been running away from an uncomfortable conversation. Go have that conversation. You've been running from an uncomfortable relationship that you need to mend, but you don't want to mend it. Go mend that relationship. You've been, you've been running from witnessing to that coworker that you know Jesus is the answer, but you're just so afraid. God, I don't know what to say. He's going to give you the words to say. Run towards the roar. Run towards the hard thing. Run towards the uncomfortable thing. You can do that because he developed you, because he's prepared you. Everything in life that you've gone through has been a stepping stone, bringing you to this moment where you can run towards the hard thing. It's not easy, but he's with you. Sometimes you feel fear, but know that the greater one is on the inside of you. Step out and do that thing that God is calling you to do. Run towards the roar. Next week, we're going to finish this miracle off. We're going to talk about the resurrection. But I'm telling you, there's so much in John 11. We couldn't just gloss right through this. Jesus has a divine delay. And then he pulls his disciples aside who were feeling fearful. And he charged them up and he says, let's go. And they went. Just like that boxer runs to the ring. Just like those kids go back into the skating rink. The disciples said, let's go. And remember, 13 guys come walking in to Lazarus' home, bold, ready, and full of authority. And that's my prayer for each of you. Right there we are. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to lead you in a prayer right now. But I believe some of you are facing a situation and you needed to hear this message today because you've been walking away from something that God is telling you to run towards. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would put boldness on the inside of us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would have just, the, the, that we would have a fearless spirit. That's, that's what I'm hearing you say right now. That, that, that too many of us have been filled with fear, but it's time to now become fearless. It's time for us to rise up with apostolic anointing, authority, and power, knowing that your name is a strong tower and that we can run into it and be saved right now father i just pray that we would take on this mantle of authority this mantle of power and this mantle of boldness and run towards 
the roar. Run towards the places where you are calling us. Run towards the brokenness. Run towards the hurting. Run towards all of the place where people are hopeless and in need. Father, charge us, Lord God. Fill us with the power of your spirit and allow us to run towards this thing. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.